und herzlich willkommen bei Multilingual Stories. Mein Name ist Dr. Bettina Gruber und ich bin die Linguistin. Ich unterstütze voller Begeisterung mehrsprachige Familien mit Herz und Verstand auf ihrem individuellen Weg, damit ihre Kinder alle Familiensprachen erfolgreich und mit Leichtigkeit lernen können. In meinem Podcast bekommst du sehr persönliche Geschichten von Mehrsprachigkeit aus der ganzen Welt zu hören. Lehn dich zurück und lass dich inspirieren. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Multilingual Stories, another English episode today again with Yoshito Darman Shimamori. If you've been listening to my podcast for a little longer, you might have already heard the podcast episode we recorded um, some time ago. Now Yoshito is back again. Yoshito is also known as Multilingual Dad from Instagram. Um, hi, Yoshito. I'm happy to have you back and we'll talk about why you're back again in just a second. Um, first of all, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, thank you very much for having me back, Bettina. Uh, and yes, yeah, so I am half French, half Japanese. I grew up in France uh, and Japanese is my minority language. Um, and so I learned it in France and not always easy, but We, we can talk about that later. Uh, and now I live in England and my main job is a teacher of languages. So I teach French and Spanish. And on the side, uh, I'm writing books and creating contents to help multilingual families, especially with reading and writing, uh, to help them teach their children how to read and write their mm -hmm. home languages. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have two sons myself uh, who are... Uh, six and nine, and they speak French, English, and Korean because my wife is Korean. You're currently so. also in Korea. You're calling from Korea right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, super that's, exciting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the that's one of the perks of being a teacher and being able to, um, <laughs> to work abroad um, in the remaining time. Amazing. Um, so you concern yourself, or you you post a lot about, um, as you said. Um, reading and writing, teaching children to yeah. read and write in multiple languages, which is a super yeah. important skill, I think. Um, yeah. I remember I once had a student at the university who was bilingual herself, and she said that she was still angry with her parents because they never taught her to read and write in Serbian. Oh. I think that was Serbian. And she feels like she's really missing an essential part um, of the yeah. language and the culture because she doesn't really have access to all the information that she could have access to and to that yeah. those parts of the culture. Um, it gives independence as well to be able to research on our own what interests us and exactly. yes, it's quite important. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So um, you have a lot of uh, playful ways. You are not so much about yeah. you know, standing up at the blackboard and teaching the yeah. children how to read and write. Um, do you want to just, you know, briefly take us on your journey of reading and writing with your kids at home? Yeah. Uh, so I started um, with my eldest when he was about six years old, six and a half. Uh, and yeah, and also maybe what I should say is like you said, I try to focus on the playful way. 
um, whether it's in my teaching job in school or with my children, but I think it's even more important with our own children mm-hmm. uh, because as parents, it's difficult to, to, ha- to create a teacher-student relationship when you already have a parents-child mm-hmm. relationship. And we can maximize on this by doing everything we usually do, so having fun, uh, but we can include some learning in that. And in my previous book, uh, so the parents guide to raising multi-year children. Uh, I explained quite a lot how you can do that. Um, and so now my sons can, so their main language, which is the school language, um, is English. So mm-hmm. they read like fluently in it. Uh, my eldest reads even faster in English than I can do. Um, <laughs> and then they read also, uh, so my eldest reads fluently French. Uh, not as fast as in English, but frankly, not so that he can pick up a book, read, mm-hmm. and enjoy it. Uh, my youngest, uh, we still need to be with him to read either in French or Korean because he goes slower. Uh, but even his English reading is not that fast yet. Uh, so it's a work in progress. Um, yeah. And for Korean, so my now that we're in Korea, we have access to more books. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to interest my elders in Korean as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but other than that, we do a lot of um, teaching about how to how to read through play. So, for example, it can be through a treasure hunt, for example, mm-hmm. where you have to that. read <laughs> to be able to to get mm-hmm. something. So, one of the main good things about games is that it, they get to immediate reward. It's mm-hmm. not just reading for the sake of reading. When it's difficult, they get a reward straight away. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. We do that with our children too. They both, well, we have three kids, but the youngest doesn't read and write yet. Um, and um, as I told you before, my husband's currently in Greece with the three kids. Yeah. And a few days ago, he sent me a picture of our eldest reading a Greek book. And it just, it makes me so proud. It's so amazing <laughs> to know that she has this ability, you know, she's, she's going to turn 10 in a few days. Um, and um to you know to have given her the gift of being able to read is just it's amazing yeah yeah so one thing uh that um that's something that's lacking in the literature that's available and you're very aware of that too i'm sure is books about multilingual children so yeah we have bilingual books but what what we don't have so much is books that talk about the process of becoming a being um, bio-multilingual. Yeah. So and you're about to close that gap, right? Because you had a yeah. brilliant idea, which is the reason why you're here. So you are in the process of writing a book. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, yeah, so it's uh, so it's called uh, In Search of the Lost Words. And it's um, for children aged 8 to 12, because mm-hmm. like you said, there are already many bilingual books, etc. Um, but the most of them are uh, aimed at a younger public mm-hmm. or anything to do with multiculturalism. Multilingualism is aimed at a younger public. And for pre-teens and teens, there isn't much. So that's why I want to focus. Um, also because I, I had some problems mainly during my teenage years, but I can talk about that later. Um, but the, the book is about uh, a girl who is 14 and she grew up bilingual Um and but she doesn't speak very much her dad's language anymore, uh, and it's making her distance herself from 
that part of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this book, so I'm, I'm talking about this uh, myth there is that a, a bilingual child or bilingual person is two monolinguals in one. So they have the same ability in both languages, which is not true or it's really rare. Um, and yeah, and so she, she goes back in time, uh, mysteriously at some, uh, one night. Uh, and during that time travel, she meets her grandpa as an eight year old, uh, child. And with him, they're going to save his, uh, grandma. Uh, so her great, great grandma. So there is a lot of, uh, there is an adventure basically what that, that she, is living with her grand- grandpa, even if they don't really speak the same language. Mm-hmm. And by getting closer, uh, she starts being a, more at ease to speak uh, her dad's language. Uh, and so the other message of the book is really that it's not because we don't speak really well language that we, we can't distance ourselves from our family. It's because we're close to them that we want to speak the language. Mm-hmm. So it's emphasizing on the, the emotional side. So if we are close to people, friends, family, etc. we will want to communicate with them in an effective way, so speak their language as well. That's beautiful. Um, so you're incorporating the, 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 the challenges or one of the big challenges of um, children growing up monoling- uh, bilingually or multilingually, namely that um, they're not as confident in the minority language of the family. Yeah. So, so that, that's a great, that's a great topic for a book. Um, but you're also incorporating uh, bilingualism in itself in the book. Tell us, how do you yeah. do that? So first it's, it's a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. So there are speech bubbles, et cetera. And I, I chose this format because uh, the images can help a lot to try to understand what's going mm-hmm. on. Uh, and it's bilingual, but it's a personalizable book in the sense that there are speech bubbles in the majority language. So that's going to be all written. So for example, it's, uh, in English. And if the child, like for example, my son, uh, he can take Korean as his minority language. I mean, he has two, but he can choose Korean, uh, and complete some of the speech bubbles in Korean. So because the girl in the book, is uh, between two languages and she understands just one. Uh, I wanted the, the reader to go through the process of working on what's, uh, what's being said around mm-hmm. them. Uh, so from the action they can see, also some keywords they can pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so around some speech bubbles that are empty, there are some keywords that the, the, the main character is picking up and the reader is going to work out what the message was and write so it can be on their own or with the help of their parents, uh, but they can complete the speech bubble. So at the end, it's a book that's bilingual and that's uh, at their level. So the vocabulary they're going to be using is the vocabulary they know, so they can write uh, and not something too complex. That's amazing. So um, which language is the book going to be published in? So the first one, first version I'm going to print out. So there are going to be three languages, one where English is the majority language, one with uh, French as a majority language, and one with Spanish as the majority language. Great. Great. That covers a lot of ground, (laughs) linguistically speaking. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. And Um, hopefully I'll be able to publish other versions as well later. But Yeah, we'll have to talk about German then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Great. That's, that's the next step. I have a few other languages that I have planned, 
to have German, Italian, Dutch uh, that I'm planning, and also Japanese and Korean because mm-hmm. I, I, my wife and I can do the translations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it would be five additional languages a bit later. Cool, but we are not quite there yet. You're still working on okay. the book as we speak, basically. Yeah. Um, and you do need financing for the book, which is why you came up with the idea of starting a Kickstarter campaign. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that. So Kickstarter campaign is basically you you give out the so you have the the book that you want to create or any product, uh, but you also give a lot of rewards uh, to to thank people to back your to trust to to have faith in your project and to help you financially. So they are pledging different tiers, so the different tiers with different rewards some are very big rewards some are smaller so one of the big ones i have is to have a person part of the of the book so there'd be a scene uh where people can say i'd like to be in that scene and they can be uh part of the illustrations uh and there are smaller rewards uh, but yeah and also it's a, a all or nothing system mm-hmm. which means that if we reach the goal, uh, we can publish the, the book, etc. If we don't reach the, the, the goal, uh, I don't get any money and mm-hmm. the, <laughs> I can't do anything. I can pre-order the book through the Kickstarter campaign, is that right? Yeah, so you mm-hmm. would pre-order it and uh, so for all the tiers or rewards and get some other rewards as well. And also the security for the people who back me uh, is that if I don't reach the goal, uh, they don't need to pay anything. Mm-hmm. So they don't lose their money, basically. It's just they promise that they are going to pay. And if we reach the goal, that's when the, the money uh, comes to me. So what is the goal? How much money do you need in order to be able to print the book? Quite a lot. It's about uh, $15,000. All right. Uh, and that's just covering the illustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. it's, so it's about 75 pages. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a yeah, a graphic novel. So yeah. mm-hmm. all right. That's amazing. So people listening, click in the link in the show notes and go contribute to the Kickstarter campaign right now. Get yourself at least a book or even more if you want to be in the book, you know. Um, you can check it all out on Kickstarter. Uh, yeah. We'll link it in the show notes. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to contact me or contact Yoshito directly um, if there's anything that you want to know more about. Yeah. Um, so what um, you mentioned earlier, Yoshito, that um, it, the idea about the graphic novel, if I got that right, is also a little bit inspired by your own story. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So my so I didn't really have any problem with speaking the language. My own problem growing up was reading and writing in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that's why I'm focusing so much on reading and writing because mm-hmm. I know how much impact it can have. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I grew up, so I went to a secondary school that was an international secondary school and I had lessons in Japanese as well. So I was learning regularly how to read and write. But even with that, there was a gap between, for example, what would interest me to read, like another one I would like to read in Japanese and what I was actually able to understand and to read. Uh, and 
yeah, now I, as an adult, I can see that if I had been able to read uh, mm. or if I read more, basically, I would have been able to learn more vocabulary from mm. the books. Because when we speak, uh, generally, we are just facing a few um, situations on a daily basis. So we we speak mm. with friends about different things, about our family with different things. But it's always the same thing. So the, the vocabulary is restricted in the school language. We learn loads of subjects, so we learn loads of different vocabulary. And because we live in the country, we're, we are facing different situations, and we learn uh, there. So books are a way to to get all these other situations we don't mm -hmm. face on a daily basis, mm -hmm. and to learn the vocabulary that way. Um, yeah, and so that's why I want my sons, for example, to be able to read and write mm -hmm. in all their languages, and. And I want also all the, the, the other families who are struggling with it to have some answers on how yeah. to do it. And yeah, and so for example, for me, the problem started maybe when I was 14 or about 16, was realizing that I, I couldn't speak as well as a Japanese person. Uh, and also if I, if I got a book or if I, even when I was in Japan, if I wanted to take the train and go somewhere, I had to ask people and uh, it made me wonder if I could really consider myself as a as Japanese. Uh, so it affected my identity as a bilingual person because I thought because I'm bilingual, I'm supposed to speak and read and mm -hmm. write in Japanese as well really well, but I'm not there yet. So I'm like a fool. Uh, people mm -hmm. think I can yeah. do this really well, but I can't. And so that happened in my teens and I'm guessing, yeah, so for some of my friends, that's why it happened. So as teens, I think because we're creating our own identity mm -hmm. in these years, uh, if we'll, like, if we don't have any example of people who say it's normal to be that way, we just think it's not normal. Mm -hmm. That's why I want to create these books that are related to languages and bilingual identity, etc. Um, yeah, so it's, this book is inspired from my, my mm -hmm. life, but also mm -hmm. because now I'm in charge of my son's lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't want them to feel this, uh, the way I felt. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm creating these resources and yeah. That's great. That's amazing. And I'm sure it's super helpful for a lot of people. Um, as a last question, yeah. I would like you to tell us about you. Um, taking your sons to the swimming pool in Korea. <laughs> you posted about it on Instagram. I saw the story and um, your challenge was that your Korean is, um, it's existent, but it's not fluent. It's um, really and, minimal. <laughs> and, you, and you took your sons out by yourself and um, you shared that experience a little bit on Instagram. Uh, do you want to do that here? I think it, it's such a lovely story. Yeah. <laughs> So the idea of the challenge is just that I wanted to, I want to show my sons that it's not because you don't speak really well the language that you just don't speak. Like there are loads of ways to get your message across. And so you can see in the video that I'm using just keywords. I'm putting things together. And the same as in the book, I'm, I'm hearing some keywords that you can work at in the subtitles I put. I just understand a few words and I work at the meaning of everything. And for example, um, yeah, and so the, the, the aim was really for my sons to see me 
struggle but get the message across and at the end would be able to go to a swimming pool to, so to do something fun because I was able to still communicate. And what I realized as well is that even if they speak better Korean than me, sometimes they were asking me what the, the lady at the mm. swimming pool asked me because I think they're not at that point yet where they can uh, work out the meaning mm -hmm. as well as, uh, as I do because I, I'm more used to it. Mm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and in, in the end, it was to show them that languages are a tool uh, to get something fun at the end. So, for example, mm -hmm. going to swim pool. That's great. Like that. so th tell me, did they help you out? Like, the, would they translate for you or would they have conversations for you that you couldn't have? Uh, you mean in general? Uh, uh, yeah, in general or at that situation. So, at the swim pool, they didn't say much. Uh, they were more like looking at me and saying thank you, etc. Just minimal things. Uh, in but in general, they can have more lengthy conversations than me and proper conversations with their aunts and the mm -hmm. rest of the family. Uh, when it comes to <laughs> translating, they're a bit lazy. And when I say, well, how do you say this? They just say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know that. My kids say that too. They're like, I don't know what that means. I'm like, of course you do. I know you know it. <laughs> yeah, they're just a bit lazy. They just say, okay, you you try to get yourself understood and yeah. But I, yeah, actually, I, don't think, I don't think that, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I don't think that it's because they're lazy. I think it's because their mind is currently at that moment working in a different language. Um, so they're ah. not in, in the flow, of, you know, because you know that we always need to suppress the languages cognitively, yeah. suppress the languages we are not using. So I don't think that has anything to do with lazy, with laziness, but you know, when they say, I don't know at that moment, they really don't know. They cannot ah, yeah, access yeah. that word yeah. that they would otherwise, you know, if they were speaking Greek or if they were in the middle of a Korean conversation at that moment, they would freely use the word because yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be activated in the brain. But it's more like they, they don't want to make the effort. They don't want to make the effort. Like, yeah, or maybe it's yeah. that they don't want to make the effort um, yeah. to, you know, activate that and, you know, put themselves into the, yeah. the Korean or Greek, in my case, um, yeah. setting. Yeah, mentally. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm planning you? on other challenges. Sorry? Oh, you're planning on other challenges. Do tell. Yeah, so this one is more like I want them to, because one thing that's uh, sorry, specific to Korean is that you need to speak with different degrees of politeness to different people. Mm -hmm. So, for example, between brothers, they can just speak like in a familiar way. Mm -hmm. But if they speak to their aunts already, they need to use uh, a degree of politeness, mm -hmm. which they don't always think about. And so the same when they go outside and for example, speak to a shopkeeper or something, mm -hmm. they need to, to speak in a polite way, which they are used to now. It's fine. So it should be fine. But uh, I want also to increase some literacy. So I'm going to ask my wife to give us a list of things to buy in the, in the store. <laughs> uh, so grocery things. So they know all the, the food items, etc. There might be a few things that are specific to things we find in Korea, not in England, that they might struggle with. But I want them to read the list and to find the items. And if they don't know what it is, to ask a shopkeeper for some help. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just be there because I can't just let them go on their yeah. own. Uh, yeah, so that's more a challenge for them than for, for me. Them. Yeah, that's uh, good. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. So um, to conclude, again, you are writing an amazing graphic novel about and for bilingual teens. And whoever wants or is interested, please check out the Kickstarter campaign um, in the link in the show notes. And um, secure yourself a book. The Kickstarter campaign runs for four weeks in total. Um, but do it right now before you forget. Um, and donate to the Kickstarter campaign. Thank you so much. Yoshito, I wish you all the best um, for this campaign and for the book. Um, I hope you get loads and loads of money for it so you can produce it and you can distribute it and you can create it in more languages so that more people have access to it. Thank you so thank much you for much. your time and for reaching out to me. Thank you very much for, for this interview. Thank you very much. Anytime. You're welcome.